0: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in
1: Tuscaloosa. Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian.
2: Clowney got, I think this was not one of our better performances tonight, but still good to come out with a win. You know, you got to give the guys credit. They got some stops and scored it when we needed too late. So, you know, Brandon was good in the second half, struggled early in the first half with only three points, he had 21 in the second half. I thought, you know, Clowney got the hard hat again. So we've got different guys stepping up. You know, we need to get
3: some other guys playing a little better, but. So uh, Alabama's football team drops a couple of games. They're not on the playoffs. Boom! Here comes Bama basketball. And how? Proof positive of the last couple of games they've beaten top ten, top five type teams. Memphis last night, Houston on Saturday. Uh, but they didn't play all that well. And when you cannot play well and still win basketball games... That's a big deal. Hey, welcome in to Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller as well. Lars, I want to get to basketball in just a minute, but I also want to start and focus, make sure everybody's keeping an eye on their weather radar. There is some stuff south of us. In fact, I I just communicated with Tim Brando, who lives in Shreveport. The tornado that came through that area was a couple of miles from his home, and unfortunately two lives were lost. Now, most of this system is going to go to Birmingham's immediate south, but you really never know. So, folks, we're used to this. Unfortunately, be weather aware because this is one bad thunderstorm, bad system, and if nothing else, it's just going to pack a whole lot of rain. So, put on your galoshes.
4: Yeah, I mean, do you remember the snow apocalypse? Everybody thought that uh, it was just the, the line was basically at Montgomery. Of where the snow and ice and and rain was gonna fall, right? And it came up, uh, it bounced up all the way to Birmingham, and uh, absolutely a, a nightmare situation. And I know we're we're not in that sort of weather uh, deal right now, but uh, yeah, stay weather aware. I mean, the the conditions are ripe for. Bad things to happen, but uh, you know, I, I never want to be an alarmist when it comes to weather. But having lived through April twenty seventh, two thousand eleven, having written a book about it, having
3: <laughs> the stuff happens.
4: It happens. It, it happens, and uh, you never think it's going to touch you, and it certainly can.
3: And uh, that's why you just need to be aware. And and here's the deal: and you've lived in Alabama long enough to know you get the feeling. There's yep. something in the air. I don't know if it's humidity. Sometimes it's the light. You know, it just it, it, it kind of has a weird feel to it. And right now, we have that. So. I, u- I use that word tornadoey. It's a it's a it's is that a, James Spann it, approved? It's
4: a it is James Span approved. I have talked to James about it, but uh, you're not going to find it in the dictionary. But uh, you'll find it in the dictionary of those who live in Alabama because we
3: know what it means. Absolutely. So, and we'll keep an eye on it right here in our studios as well. Last night, Alabama hosting Memphis, a rather raucous crowd at Coleman, and Bama pulls away with a 91 to 88 victory. And I say pulls away, they never could pull away. You know, if they get up three possessions, and then suddenly Memphis would cut it back. But they have won physical, physical back-to-back games with a victory over Houston and now Memphis. Brandon Miller only had three points in the first half. Lars had 24 totals. He can quickly do the math. And I really like watching this Alabama basketball team. But even though he was uh, wearing the, the black and the blue, Kendrick Davis is a fun player to watch. I don't know how much you were able to see of this game. A little guard from Memphis had 30 points. And unless you're playing against him, it's just a real pleasure to watch. But here, Lars... Here's the, what do you want to call it? It's Alabama's preseason, amen corner. Houston, Memphis, Saturday, right here in Birmingham, they take on Gonzaga. Nate Oates will beef a schedule up. Won't what
4: you? a schedule. What a schedule. And, um, you know, this was the game. That I thought Alabama could have a little bit of an emotional letdown, uh, beating a a number one team twice in two weeks. Uh, And we (laughs) we heard the stat hasn't happened since what the '60s, '65, Uh, um, '65, yeah. And now uh, number four in the AP poll, higher than the ranked higher than the Alabama football team for the first time in the Nick Saban era. And you got Gonzaga coming to town, and then but first here's Memphis. And uh, this was going to be a gut check time for the for this team. And uh, and you know what? The crowd was great last night. Um, And uh, really just it's exactly what Alabama needed uh, to get them to play to the level they needed to play at. And, uh, and look, Brandon Miller, you know, uh, he's the star of this team. There's no mistaking it. He is the guy. And remember, he missed all eight of his shots against Houston, and he scored 21, as you mentioned, Matt, 21 of his 24 after halftime to hold off a, a really aggressive Memphis team. And uh, with under two minutes left, when Alabama needed it most, Brandon Miller scored five straight points and uh, and and really put the nail in the coffin there. Um, and uh, and and the thing is, Matt, you get the sense that Alabama hasn't even played their best game I, yet.
3: I totally agree. That's a great observation. Not just because I agree with you, but uh, I I I would say one hundred percent with that, mate. I tell you what, though, just as I worried about Memphis, I now worry about Gonzaga kind of being a trap game. Even though, by the way, they are Gonzaga. I saw watching on television pan the crowd, and there was a tall, six-four, really athletic-looking guy with a had a construction helmet on. I think it was Christian. <laughs> Christian, were you in the student section wearing was, that white Alabama
5: construction hat? Was that you? No, I was not. I had a I had a you know a trucker hat on, but not a construction hat. But uh, I was there in the I was there in attendance and. Uh, it was a great atmosphere. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I agree. You know that they, they didn't look they didn't look great. It wasn't their best performance, but you know a win is a win. And um, I'm just really excited uh, the direction this program is headed.
4: Yeah. So, Christian, uh, just take us into Coleman last night. What was the environment like? I know you've been to a lot of basketball games there. Um and, and did the crowd help sort of spur on the team again? As I was talking about earlier, that this was a sort of classic letdown game after beating two number one, uh, two teams ranked number one, and then you have a uh, mighty Gonzaga coming into uh, town here soon. But uh, it, it seemed to me, just watching it on television, that the crowd really played a role in uplifting the players and and getting them going
5: yeah no i think they had a lot of influence on the game you know they were always um, loud when they needed to be and um, they just did a really good job just getting you know getting the energy up in the building and and i was surprised at the turnout because honestly you know a lot of students are out of town right now and um, there still was a, a great attendance there and this atmosphere is really good, and I, and I think that's really important, especially for a basketball program. And I think the more success the team has, obviously the turnout is going to keep improving. And uh, it's just really good to see, you know. And I, I still can't believe th- the rankings that <laughs> they're ranked above football. I never in my life I thought I would see the day, but here it is. But it's definitely exciting to have a good basketball program. But yeah, Coleman was fun. I, I hope it continues that way, and I think it will with the success that they're having. Can you dunk? <laughs> of course you can. I, I can dunk, man. Come on. Now, I will say, you know, I can't do anything special. Um, I, I, I can throw it down nicely, though. My brother, though, he played basketball. He's the hooper, and he, he, man, he can dunk. He can do all the dunks. He he's special. I'll have to show you all some of his some Christian, of his old clips.
4: I, I'm just doing this off memory, but it wasn't your vertical at the combine thirty eight, thirty nine?
5: Yeah, it, my my vertical is a 38 inch vertical, and then my wingspan. The I more we talk about this, the <laughs> dumber I feel. <laughs> yeah, big big wingspan too. Uh, There's <laughs> the longest of the linebackers of the combine.
4: Yeah, I I'm true. guessing
5: he can windmill dumb. Can you 360 slam yeah, the hammer? No, see that's the crazy thing. I have all those numbers, but I I for some reason like I can't I can't translate it on a basketball court to like windmill or do anything special. Like I can get up there and do a basic dunk and it that's fine. But like windmills and like tomahawks and all that, no. Nah, I'll leave that to my brother.
3: You know, um I either read or heard an interview that uh, Bo Jackson can dunk the crap out of a basketball, but admittedly says he can't dribble. <laughs> that Sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: that that's uh boy, that that that's hard to believe. Uh one question I do have, and uh I never like to be critical of anyone but but javon Quinterly, um let's just say it like it is he, he he's struggling right now um you know he's he's shooting twenty eight percent from the field twenty seven percent from beyond the arc he's got uh twenty two turnovers and uh you know he made this remarkable comeback from the ACL. And nobody thought and, and he, he, you know he tore his ACL in mid-march so we're not it's not that long ago. And uh, we we thought that he wouldn't be back at least until conference play. And yet here he was uh, back on the, the with the Crimson Tide's fourth game of the season and you know Quinnerly he was Alabama's leading returning scorer from last year. Um, and uh, he just hasn't been his old self. It's
3: really strange, Lars, because he got back and they put him in a game like f- the third game of the year. and He played maybe five, six minutes, but then he got more and more minutes and he was playing better and better. Now he's not, which in, certainly I'm no physician. I'm no basketball coach. I wonder if maybe the, he, they didn't just push it. and And now he's kind of lagging back because of that injury you understand I'll, what i'm saying oh
4: yeah and in christian i want to go to you on this real quick but uh all i can tell you is like when i tore my achilles you know i'm a big basketball player I didn't feel right on the basketball court for like two years, you know, uh, just just simply shooting a shot, yeah. and this is just playing in pickup games and nothing compared to obviously in the in the SEC and I'm or playing for for Alabama against high level opponents. Christian, I mean, do you think the that uh, I know Nate Oates came out and said that he thinks Christian, or, or excuse me, that uh, Quinterly is just uh, pressing a little too much, trying a little too hard, and and it will come to him. But uh, and and Oates is, is talking to him, and and I'm sure he's getting all the support he needs, and and I, I have full confidence he will get rolling again. But do you think that the injury? is sort of in the back of his mind and uh, causing him maybe not to play with the fluidity that we are accustomed to seeing him play with.
5: I definitely think it's a contributing factor. I mean, I look back to when, uh, whether it was my biceps or my hamstring injury that I had when I was in college and both of those, um, even when I was you know clear to return uh, get back on the field, it still just took time to kind of get my rhythm back and just kind of get get back to feeling you know to my original self, uh, especially the hamstring. you know I was cleared and healthy to to run and do all the things I needed to do, but it probably took me months until I really felt that I just kind of had that fluidity back in my in my running form and just able to really you know have my the same level of exposure that I had before the injury, so I definitely think he 's dealing with that just kind of getting his rhythm and his timing back. Um, but I think it also too is, you know, just getting, getting, some, getting some of those, those, uh, ironing out some of those wrinkles right now, you know, still early on in the year. And I think as, as the season progresses, I think he'll also progress and kind of get his rhythm back.
3: Much of the sports world is still mourning the loss of Mike Leach and one of his friends and one of our friends, Tony Curry will be up next. And we'll talk more, uh, about this, uh, this treasure of a
1: man and coach from t-town to the plains this is alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. this is big noon sports the best sports talk in the state tied 100.9 and streaming on the tide
0: 100.9 app Hi, it's Chris Stewart. Make this holiday season an adventure. And get an incredible deal at Townsend Honda. Shop Ford, Nissan, BMW, Chevrolet, Jeep, Lexus. Back. The high today, 68. The low tonight, 46. A brighter day tomorrow. The sky becoming mostly sunny. The high, 57. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
6: Mother, mother, ocean. It's always great to play in front of people that, you know, where they feel like it's uh, very important. What's happening is very important to them. And, of course, Kyle Field's a great place to play and always an exciting place to play. And it's just a great challenge to go uh, play at uh, Texas A&M. And, uh, uh, of course, they hated us for years. I never felt like I really hated them. They, I'm sure they hated me, but um, which was fine because, you know, uh, you're liking me is not mutually exclusive to me, but liking you, you know, if anything, maybe it helps. And then, um, but uh, no, it was, uh, they were great games and it was fun. And it was fun to play uh, Texas A&M and what a great setting to play. And, uh, and yeah, no, it was, they were intense games. And it was always. There you have more from Mike Leach, who
3: we uh, sadly and tragically lost very suddenly. Uh, and joining us now to talk about that, maybe some college football as well, but most notably Mike Leach is Tony Curry, Tony Curry radio. And I appreciate you joining us, not just Monday, but here again on Wednesday, Tony, to talk about Mike Leach. Um, haven't actually gotten, we got your feelings, your emotion when he was still in the hospital, but how did it strike you? If I just may ask a blunt question.
7: Yeah. Uh, uh, when he passed away, uh I did a Facebook Live thing. It was kind of therapeutic for me. Uh it hit me really hard, man. I I I, I cried. I mean I cried. Um and, and I considered Mike a, a, a dear friend of mine and, and uh certainly not his best friend and we didn't spend vacations together, but he always texted me back he always called me back and to my recollection and I may be wrong and maybe you guys have gotten this I cannot think of any other major coach in any major sport who's ever lost his life while he was still coaching a team i mean I've heard of coaches lose their lives after they give up coaching but I've never heard of any coach at, at a major level uh, lose their life while they were still coaching a football team and then like you just said Matt the fact that you know he has this heart attack within 24 hours his, his life is gone it's just amazing and, I, and I'll, I'll say this too and you know, I reached out to him about five or six years ago and he texted about right back and I was like amazed. And I I kept through that out to a bunch of different coaches, including Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and other coaches I got a I got a phone list and and uh he was the only one that responded to me and I think one of the reasons that that he gave me so much of his time was so generous with it was because I didn't play football. He was one of a few a handful of coaches that that never took a snap at any level and, and was very successful as a head coach at the highest level. And uh I think maybe it was one of the endearing things about him that You know, he he treated me like I won a Heisman Trophy every time we talked. He gave me respect and and appreciated that. And I I think he also appreciated the fact that that we didn't have to talk about football to have a good interview.
4: Yeah, I know that uh, Mike Leach was um, the only uh, lawyer who was uh, coaching college football. He was one of, I think, three coaches who never played college football who was coaching. And interestingly, Hugh Freeze is another one of those and uh, you got to go back all the way to 2006 when Randy Walker, who was the coach at Northwestern, he died of a heart attack suddenly at age uh, 52 when there was an active coach who who passed away. And uh, I think if, if you're just looking at the SEC, you got to go all the way back to 1980 or so. So th- this, this just yeah. rarely, rarely happens. Tony, can you just um, circle back? to how your relationship with uh mike leach was formed and uh and just how it grew over the years
7: yeah i, I had met a uh, a guy who uh has been a friend of mine for about 30 years we kept in touch he was kind of a radio headhunter he he went out and found uh jobs for for radio guys that wanted to do sports radio and of course this is when sports radio was was in its and it's hallowed grounds. It was it was much bigger than it is now, and it just got so saturated. And thank goodness there's great shows like like you got going on that that really bring things into perspective. And um, he just uh, he had a list of cell phone numbers, and he also a uh, set of interviews. And uh, he's like, uh, do you want some some coaches' numbers? And I said, sure. This is when when Mike was over at Washington State. And again, I you know I texted these guys said hey I'm Tony Curry I do a, a sports show I worked up at ESPN I'd love to have some time just in hopes that maybe I'd get a couple of them uh, to to return the text and Mike was the only one to do that and you know I was going back we're going to have a um, a uh, podcast on on Tony Curry Radio and wherever you get your podcast it'll probably be up later on this this afternoon this evening because we had so much material but we we interviewed him over a hundred times. And we had him on every single week on and Claypo on Saturday nights, sometimes for half an hour, 45 minutes. Uh, and and a, a couple of stories that really I, I was kind of going back and thinking of. We had a, an interview here uh, where, you know, if he couldn't obviously do it live, he would record something with me. And one morning I called him up and we just started talking and I wasn't rolling yet. And we were talking about our families and talking about ducks. He loved duck sandwiches. Uh, talked about, it. and just we're kind of, and we were just laughing. And, and, and he's like, okay, is, is that what you needed? And I, I, said, I said, Coach, we're not even recording yet. And he's like, oh. But he was totally oblivious and totally cool with the fact that we were talking about no college football. He was talking about duck sandwiches and swords and talking about hunting and all these things. And I mean, again, he's one of those few guys where if you don't ask him a question, he'll just keep talking um and it was great and then you know the other time that i mentioned to you guys earlier uh when washington state was playing colorado i guess it was about five years ago and we reached out to him on saturday night i was unaware they were playing a ball game i probably should have been and he picked up the phone and he was in the locker room and i said what are you doing coach he goes i'm I'm coaching a football game and i said oh i'm so sorry (laughs) he goes no what do you want i said well we were going to see if you had a few minutes He goes, i get on five or six minutes and i said what are you doing? He goes, it's halftime. He goes, I've. He takes about thirty seconds halftime. He goes, my boys know what they need to do. And he goes, so I got about five or six minutes. I said, so if you're too busy, he goes, no, let's go. And so we put him on the air. And I've never, wow. I've never heard of that. And it was just so cool. Uh, there was another time where he accidentally butt called me and um, he didn't realize it, and I listened in. I, you know, if someone but calls me, I'm not one of these creeps that's going to listen to see what happens, because normally nothing happens. But about 15 or 20 seconds into it, he said, hello, and I said, hey, Mike, what's up? And he said, I'm, I actually called you, and I said, I said yeah, I said, that's cool. And I said, what's going on? And we talked for 45 minutes. Um, you know, so he, <laughs> he just is a, an amazing guy. He was so quirky and so eccentric in his ways. He was so brilliant. Um, and, again, just the way he was taken from us. So I, I don't know if we'll ever have a coach. Uh, at any level, like that, and you guys were talking about, you know, uh, how special it is to have a guy like that. You can't be like that uh, if you're not successful. And and you know, coming off an eight and four campaign, winning the Egg Bowl, and I, I thought what Lane Kiffin had to say about him was just really respectful and beautiful. The fact that he walked off a winner uh, in, in the biggest game of the year was just super huge for him. And and uh, so yeah, he was just an amazing guy. He was a lot of fun, and and uh, he's going to be really really missed in college football because I don't think there'll ever be another. They broke the mold with him.
5: Tony, one of the most impressive things about Mike Leach was his expansive coaching tree. You know, there's some names on there like Dave Aranda, Josh Heupel, Tennessee head coach who's having tremendous success there. Lincoln Riley, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. You know, what does it say about Mike Leach and and his impact on other coaches to have such success with with the, the other coaches involved with him?
7: Well, it's a great point. Uh, it's a great point. You know, we're talking about a guy that, that coached for 21 years and he was 61. I mean, this guy kind of he he kind of pulled the Morgan Freeman uh, of coaching. He got he got big uh, in the latter part of his life, and you know, not only his coaching tree, but look at the quarterbacks this guy uh, you know tootled. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, I guess the, the last guy that you could say was was really really successful at the NFL level, but uh, I think everyone, everyone thought that they broke all these records at, at Wash State and Texas Tech and, and, and even Mississippi State. The quarterback he yeah, had this year broke the completions record in the SEC. Go 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 figure that out. I mean, the most completions in SEC football history was under Mike Leach's tutelage. I mean, that's unbelievable. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, you throw the ball 65 times a game, you're going to break records. you got to make those completions. You got to recruit those receivers, uh, you, and you have to find a quarterback. You put any quarterback there, out, out there and have him throw the ball sixty-five times; he's not going to—he's not going to complete twenty of them if he's not a great quarterback. And Mike just had um, just a, a wonderful knack of finding these kids that really fit his system. And I think the other thing too is you know he didn't have one of these laminated play cards. Uh, you know he had twenty plays, and you had to run those plays to at. And if you did them correctly. Um, more than likely they were going to be successful. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of gave him a hard time the last, last couple of years, you know, when he came to the SEC because all SEC fans are like, we love Mike Leach, but there's no way he's going to be successful here. That A-rate stuff's not going to happen here. Our defenses are too good. He won't be able to run the football well. He was on his way. Uh, and I, I'm not saying he would have won a national championship at Mississippi State. Uh, but I certainly saw some 10-win seasons coming up uh, on his resume. And, and uh, yeah, he's just he's an amazing guy, what he could get out of his kids and, and, and help them understand. You know, he even did the air raid um, uh, class uh, out at Wash State, and, and he did one down at Texas Tech, too. So uh, pretty amazing guy.
4: Here's another Mike Leach story that I, I, I just love, um, that if if Mike Leach was in a car, it was rare, and it was even rarer if he drove like nobody ever saw him drive. Yeah. He was either yeah. he either was driven or he walked like when he was at Washington State. He walked from his home to campus each day during his early days at Mississippi State. He actually lived on campus uh, li- mm-hmm. living in a condo that overlooked the school's baseball stadium. Uh, the condo is owned by a donor. And at some point, school officials they asked him, "Hey, are, are you going to move out of this 900 square foot condo? All right, wow. 900 square feet." And Leach replied, "Never." And but then, under strong encouragement, uh, he moved out and into a home a few miles from campus. So he couldn't walk, but you know what he did? He had graduate assistants and other support <laughs> staff members drive him every single I day. You know that? Yeah, That's and uh, I mean. Tony, do you think Mike had a sense of just how how different he was from everybody else, and also how how fundamentally funny he was?
7: I, I don't. I think he knew how funny he was uh, because he saw a lot of his sound bites go viral, and I think he realized that. Uh, and, and everyone at that level certainly has somewhat of, a, of an ego. Uh, That that clip you played uh, coming into this break about, you know, it really doesn't matter whether you like me or not. I think that did play into it, but it was really difficult not to like him at some level. um, Even if he was beating your brains out, uh, throwing the football 65 times at a football game. Um, But he was, you know, and I mentioned this yesterday, he was such an all-shucks kind of guy. He never raised his voice. I never saw him get upset. Uh, Even on the sidelines, uh, you know, you'd see that puzzled look on his face. Uh, but he never really got uh, super upset with refs or football players or anything else. And I just think we could learn a lot from that because uh, he lived a, a very peaceful uh, existence. And uh, gosh, I just, I just hate it for his family. And, and certainly the way it happened, it just happened so suddenly. And certainly around the holidays, it's going to make it more difficult. But uh, what an amazing guy, man. And again, I don't think we'll ever, the mold was broken when, when God made him. I don't think there'll ever be another Mike Leach character in college football for sure.
4: So, during his walks at Washington State, he often encountered wildlife, deer, quail, rabbits, and he saw a lot of raccoons. And one Mm -hmm. of his walks, he tracked a a raccoon through the snow. He went through a neighborhood. He saw the animals' tracks. He followed that raccoon for over (laughs) half a mile. And he finally was asked, why would you do that? And Mike Leach said, I wanted to know where that sucker lived. That's just
3: atypical. That's Mike Leach. Uh, yep. Tony. Uh, sorry for your loss. Actually, sorry for all of our loss. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, tell everybody where they can pick you up these days.
7: Yeah, just uh, search Tony Curry Radio podcast. It's covered the K K U R E, or uh, get the T K R app through Apple or Tony Curry Radio on Android. And you can listen to all of our great shows, and we'll have that special Mike Leach uh, podcast up uh, probably later on this afternoon. It's going to be. All the viral stuff you never heard uh, just uh, exclusively from our shows with him. And there's some great stuff on there about Matthew McConaughey, and we talk about piracy and his duck sandwiches and everything else. It's just going to be a great listen. So you'll you'll have that available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for your time, man. This has been therapy to talk about him like this. I appreciate you guys.
3: Good. Uh, For us as well. Thank you, TK. See you soon.
7: Talk to you soon. All right.
3: One of the things that Tony brought up, and then actually that we're going to hear from Mike Leach, is uh, a little foreign to me, believe it or not. I want to do a little bit of a dive into duck sandwiches when we get back.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. This week only, visit Boot Barn to save on quality holiday gifts for the whole family. We're offering holiday
3: specials this week, where you can get $50 off select You were
7: younger in life, so what's the kind of food that you're really digging now and is it that much different than where you came from
6: i'll tell you there's a lot of great restaurants here like just incredible restaurants yeah. uh, one is wtf where you get kind of the crab oil the shrimp oil the, yeah. the piece of corn and mm-hmm. it was crawfish if it's crawfish season and then you can select clams or mussels that's and, and wtf stands for where's the food at it exactly. stands for other things too <laughs> but it stands for where's the food at and then um and then, uh, oh, the barbecue here is really good. I like. I mean, you can get in a twenty-minute discussion with somebody if you ask them what the best barbecue is. Um,
7: I think we actually just, sent you some ribs from from here.
3: What is a duck sandwich? When I first heard you guys talking about this a minute ago, I thought, okay, maybe it's an acronym for something. Uh, I wasn't really sure, but it's actually it's a couple of pieces of bread with duck on it. Have you ever had one? Uh heck no. <laughs> Kristen, have you ever had a duck sandwich?
5: Uh not a sandwich, no. I mean I've had like pan seared duck breast or you know, duck jalapeno yeah. poppers, but not a sandwich, no.
3: Uh I've had duck. It's uh, it's a it's a little um uh Greasy? Not greasy. It's, it is greasy. Uh, but it has a very wild chicken game-like taste it's it. I like it. It's, it's gamey. It's gamey. One
4: time a friend of mine uh, shot a duck and uh, served it to us at Thanksgiving. He came out to New York. He lived in Chicago, came to New York, brought the duck with him. And uh, as I'm trying the duck... There's buckshot in it. Yep. <laughs> so you get that a lot yeah, with dove yeah, and quail, yeah. too.
3: <laughs>
4: and now I know what buckshot
3: tastes like. <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs>
3: I haven't had it, uh, but I've seen pictures of it now. I think I, I would certainly try it, but uh, I uh, would not have imagined when we were putting our show together and earlier this week. We talk first of all, I'm sad enough to be talking about Mike Leach, but the, how did we get to duck sandwiches? <laughs> all you know why? It's it's because of Mike Leach, and it's fun yeah. stuff like that that we will remember uh, yeah. throughout it, the it, remainder and, of our lives. And
4: there's so many so many stories uh, about him. You know that he he was a night owl big time I don't know when the man slept be, period. big time night owl well it, it, if if he had his druthers he wouldn't get up until noon but it was uh, this would happen frequently that um, <laughs> that Mike leach would you know he would call like uh, you know associate ads at Mississippi State or uh, just anybody who kind of worked in the athletic department like 2 a.m and then the, you knew that it wasn't going to be a quick conversation, right? So, as 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 Mike Leach is sipping bourbon, you know they're having uh, long debates and uh, and, and just uh, awesome. talking about politics, religion, uh, pop culture, uh, just uh, anything and everything. I mean, he was just. Uh, he was so curious, you know, and and I find that such an endearing quality. And that's what I try to teach my students at, at the University of Alabama when I'm teaching journalism is be curious about everything. Everybody is interesting. And and Mike Leach had that quality where he did believe that everybody was interesting. And when you had him one on one. He made you feel like you were the most important per- person in the world, and that is a quality who else had? President Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton could really make you feel like the whole world stopped when he was looking at you and talking to you. And you forgot about
3: any political alignment. Oh, and absolutely. Yeah, no. I, and and I, Arkansas. yeah,
4: I came across uh, President Clinton several times. Not to name drop though I just did, but, uh, and I just, uh, I thought the world of him and, and, uh, but, uh, but Mike Leach, he, he loved to, uh, go out and sing karaoke. Uh, he really liked Jethro (laughs) tall, like Nick Saban. He liked the Eagles. Um, so there's just, there's so much depth to his character. That we are learning about now, because people are coming forward and sharing stories. and And really, uh, uh, Christian, I, I think that's how we grieve. We grieve by telling stories of people that we love and admire. and um, and I, I think that's kind of what is happening here. And i I, I will confess, I, I am a little surprised at the the national outpouring of love for for mike leach i I guess I just didn't realize and i and I cover college football, you know and and i just i didn't realize how many people he touched Christian
5: no he really did and and that's the influence that these head coaches have you know, I mentioned yesterday the influence they have on their players and the impact they have on their players and their lives, but it's also a fan base, you know college football especially. In, in the states is is, is so prevalent is is you know it's been a lot of people's lives and um, they idolize these figures that are head coaches and he was one of those guys he was, he was charismatic and he was just so intriguing because he was so unique and uh, he just had an impact on so many people and I think the the special thing right now is you know the outpouring of love like you mentioned but so many people just offering up so many special stories about you know the person that he is and I think that's what's special is that. Um, the person he is, uh, that he was, and the character that he had—that um, that's the most important thing. And um, I think that's how everybody wants to be remembered in a positive manner, and how they impacted people, and you know, them just having an overall genuine character. And uh, and I'm I'm really happy to hear these stories because it does really help you grieve in in a time that's you know supposed to be very difficult. It seems like we're able to look to those fun times that he had and those funny stories that he had to kind of offer some some glimpse of hope and and just offer a little bit more peace in this tough time right now.
3: You know, I have this mental image and uh, it's been there for about a minute and a half now. I can't get rid of It's it uh, Mike Leach doing... Uh Jethro Tall karaoke. not his running down his nose. Yeah. Can you see that? Can yeah. you hear that, Mike Leeds? Um, he would do it too. A, a,
4: a, Another here's this uh, another one, and I, I got a gazillion of them. But so Friday night during football season, Christian knows this. Uh, I believe it's a tradition at Alabama, at, at, like it is at every school. You, you go to a movie, right? Okay, and and Mike Leach, he loved movies. He loved movies, and it's almost like he would become a kid again uh, because he he would load up on popcorn and coke and and uh, an assortment of candy and just hunker down in his seat. Uh, and because when he was a kid, uh, when he they would watch movies as a family. No one was allowed to touch their snacks until the movie began. And he kept honoring (laughs) that sort of tradition. And then after the movie would end, you know, the players would stream out of the theater. But Leach would sit in his stay in his seat to watch the the final credits. And he wanted to read every single credit uh, who who did what. And uh, and you know he then would uh, talk to basically his, his uh, director of football operations, and he would crit- crit- uh, uh, critique the movie and ask what he thought of the of of the film, and and then um, you know they just they just had so much fun. He just he just loved being you know just a, a movie buff, right? He he loved talking movies and. And uh, again, I just go back to the, the depth of character and uh, just how unique. You know, we, we've been saying quirky. I, I don't know if quirky is the right word. I, I just think he, just, he was just a, a unique individual who uh, just would always go in, in his own direction.
3: You know, we, I like genuine. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think authentic. that's a, a really, yeah, there yeah. you go. Do you, are you a credit reader? I, see, I, I do the same thing he does. You know, when uh, when when April was
4: pregnant, I, I'd like to watch the credits uh, to s- look at names yeah. to see if, any, oh, name, see if anything, pop- anything okay. popped out. But uh, no, I'm generally not a credit reader.
3: You? Yeah, I do. Um, and you'd be surprised how funny they are. Read the credits for like Monty Python, Search for the Holy Grail. Read the credits. It's very, very, <laughs> a, very an airplane. Movie. An airplane also has some great credits. Hey, something has happened in Alabama football that has never happened in the history of that this program, which I actually read and reread and, and found a little bit surprising. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
1: Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. Drives in! Oh, my goodness. Oh, put back. No. The buzzer
0: sounds. No. No. The high today, 68. The low tonight, 46. A brighter day tomorrow. The sky becoming mostly sunny. The high, 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: People make up big noon sports and we're broadcasting in Tuscaloosa, Birmingham and the Anderson Gadsden area as well. And coming to a theater near you. All right. Uh, I read this this more of my eyes kind of popped out as a story on AL.com and just simply said that Will Anderson is the first player in the history of Alabama football to be named unanimous all American in back-to-back seasons. Well, Doing a little bit more research, that just doesn't happen with any school very often. So rare is the case, and certainly as it is here. By the way, unanimous All-American means the five recognized entities. In this case, it's the uh, football coaches, Associated Press, football writers, Sporting News, and uh, Walter Walter Camp. What what is that? Walter Camp. Walter Camp, thank you. Uh, But anyway, he was unanimous last year by all five, and then again this year. But it doesn't happen that often. And I started to think, what about Derek Thomas? Well he was one, but not back to back, you know, in, in consecutive years obviously. Um and I started thinking, what about Derrick Henry? You know, I mean these guys Heisman Trophy winners. Um But this is the first time. Did that surprise you when I told you when we talked about this a little while ago?
4: Yeah, and uh, in doing a little digging, the the last defensive player in college football to have multiple unanimous All-American seasons was uh, safety out of Tennessee, Eric Berry. Player. What a player. player. Yeah, in 2008 and 2009. Um, Christian Todd McShay came out with his first mock draft and, and, and McShay, I think is, is really good, really good. He's plugged in. He's a former player. He has Bryce Young going number one overall to, uh, the Houston Texans, uh, which I think would is, is sort of a no brainer pick out of all the quarterbacks. That's who I would take, but how do you think Will Anderson will translate his skill set? How is that going to translate to the NFL?
5: Well, first of all, he's he's been playing out of position a lot here um, at Alabama. They've, they've they've utilized him, you know, all around the defensive line. Um, specifically, what I'm f- referring to is that you see him play a four eye technique, which is an inside shade on the tackle. Um, generally speaking, in our system, you usually have a guy who's probably 275 pounds plus playing that position. But in order for, you know, Alabama to not have to keep substituting to change personnel, they know that he's capable of playing it even at his size, which is, you know, 245 pounds, which is definitely undersized for that position, but they know he's capable. Um, With that being said, at the next level, you'll see him play as a 3-4 outside linebacker if he's in that scheme or a 4-3 defensive end with his hand in the dirt. Um, basically, just always having him on the edge, which I think he'll be much more effective there. You know, he can rush from like a wide nine technique. He's not going to be having to deal with combo blocks or having to rush from an inside leverage and then try to get on the outside, which we've seen him do in college. So he's he's definitely going to have a lot more freedom in the pros. And uh, you know, he's just one of those old school looking players. You know, he's just a very physical guy. He loves contact. Um, got very strong hands. He's strong at the point of attack. He can play uh, play uh, the run. He can drop in coverage when you need him to. And he's obviously a really talented pass rusher leading the nation last year. Um, I think with 17 and a half sacks, um, another solid year this year. And uh, I think he's going to translate well. My only thing I will say is I do feel that he could kind of work on his his pass rush repertoire, meaning he can add some more moves to his arsenal. Um, When you see him, he really likes to go speed to power and is very effective at this, this level. But at the next level, Uh, Those tackles, it's not going to be as easy just to, you know, keep going speed to power, speed to power. And it's going to work. But if he really wants to take his game to the next level, um, I I think you want to see him start utilizing his hands a little bit more. And uh, I I think that that's that's my only thing I'll say that I think would help him out at the next level is just kind of adding a few more pass rush moves, even a couple more counter moves to his, his pass rush arsenal.
4: Christian, the last time we were hanging out, you mentioned to me that the offensive tackles in the NFL are so good that you can beat them, but they'll just, like, kind of nudge you with their hip, yeah. right, as you're getting by them, and that will push you away from the quarterback, right?
5: Yep, that's exactly right, and that's that's what I'm referring to, you know, again, I, I, he's going to have ball. tremendous success, and uh, that there's no question about that, but... Those are the little details that matter at the next level. Where, and in the college level, you can get away with it here and there, but at the next level, you have to be pristine if you really want to finish with a sack. That's why we used to always emphasize, you know, sacks versus pressures. You know, you can work a move and you'll get that pressure, but if you want to finish with a sack, got to be pristine.
3: Hey, some notes here: uh, Jalen Hyatt, nobody surprised here. Tennessee, by the way, a unanimous All-American uh, will forego the Orange Bowl. Tennessee wide receiver quickly who do you think what program has the most unanimous all americans in the history of college football nebraska of course no, 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 no. <laughs> christian you got a guess there
5: i would say alabama but probably not
3: you no alabama 41 and a lot of them have come in the last 15 years by the way there we go back back if with you more own big-
0: small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you the employee retention
1: credit is a Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller.
3: Welcome back to the program. You just heard it. It's Big Noon Sports on just an absolutely gloomy Wednesday afternoon. I mean, it's just nasty looking. And there is weather to our south, and there's weather coming into the Birmingham area as well. So, Keep your radar on, literally and figuratively, and uh, we can get through this because Louisiana, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma, all not so lucky. There were tornadoes there. In fact, a couple of uh, a couple of people, unfortunately, uh, were killed by a tornado that struck in the um, Shreveport area earlier this morning. Alabama basketball, ninety-one to eighty-eight, went over Memphis. They've been very, very physical in back-to-back games and victories over Houston and Memphis. And now, guess what? Saturday they got Gonzaga. You want to see basketball tonight? Come join me. I'm going to go down to Bartow Arena, umbrella, uh, by raincoat and all, as uh, the Gamecocks of South Carolina will be taking on UAB. So that's uh, that's what we've got going on for right now, as far as basketball is concerned. Matt, uh,
4: you have covered Alabama basketball for a long time. It's putting it nice. <laughs> Let's
3: just say I, I was there when Wimp was an assistant. <laughs> I go back to see him. And you Newton, used to do yeah.
4: a show with Wimp. You yeah. know Wimp very well. Is this potentially the best Alabama
3: Alabama basketball team in school history? Oh, my my immediate answer is it's just too early. But okay, you asked.
4: Oh. Uh, I know it's a ridiculous question to ask this early in the well, season.
3: I mean, you know, it's a, it's so, a man. A, L- look at, look afternoon. At, we're going to talk their, about something. Uh,
4: their resume, their resume.
3: Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, what's what's happening right here we're watching is just actually the 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 magic of Nate Oates to be able to put all these guys on the floor for the first time. Sears never played with Clowney. Clowney never played with Miller. Um, and the, the veterans never played with these new guys. They're suddenly starting. Potentially, Lars, um, yeah, I think so. And the more I watch him, of course, everybody loves Brandon Miller. I got that. But Kristen was there last night. Let me tell you something. This clowny kid can flat out play.
5: He can score and he can rebound. He can. He can do it all. You know, a really talented guy. And uh, I think that's what's so important for this team right now and their successes. Nate Oates has just done a phenomenal job getting these guys in the program, and not only that is once they get there, he's doing a great job of getting them to buy in. You know, they have that 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 blue collar mantra, and they they play like that. You know, these guys play aggressive, they play physical, they're running down back and forth down the court fast, and you know they, it's hard for other teams to keep up. But you know, guys like Clowney, Brandon Miller. Um, Even Quinley come back for that injury. Those guys have just stepped up uh, tremendously and and really give this team a chance. And, uh, you know, another big matchup coming up against Gonzaga. But from what what they've shown so far, I think they're more than capable of handling them. And
4: I think this Memphis team is better than last year's Memphis team. And last year, Memphis throttled Alabama. 92 to 79. Yeah. And Alabama, when they didn't have their A game, was able to win another game against a very, very good opponent. Um, I want to ask you guys about Mark Sears. How in the heck did Nate Oates find him?
3: A transfer from Ohio? Well, he's from Muscle Shoals. Now, I don't know if that really makes any difference. Yes. Uh,. Oates is coached at Buffalo. So how would you know about a kid from Muscle Show? Yeah. I don't know. He became a he's one of those guys right. that really matured after his high school years, good enough to get a small college scholarship at Miami. You're very familiar with the Bobcats, aren't you? Yeah. Um and That's not Miami. About, that's just Ohio University. Yeah, Ohio University. Yeah,
4: where, um Yeah. That's uh that's where Joe Burrow's dad coached. Come on. And, in, even, in Athens. In, wasn't Ohio. Solich there? Yeah, Frank Sullach is there. Oh, man, I'm in a rabbit hole here. Yeah, Nebraska Light. Uh, yeah, half of their coaching staff was Nebraska. It's where Joe Burrow grew
3: up. Come on, let's just all tie it together that, that's, here. That's uh, one hour and four <laughs> minutes <laughs> yeah. to a Bur- Burrow. <laughs> By the way, Burrow's playing the Bucks this weekend. Burrow v. Brady. Can't wait. That is some good stuff. And we're going to have one of their assistants on, uh, Rick Christophel, who was at UAV for a long time. He's now one of the uh, offensive coordinators. Yeah, he's boys. a uh, tight ends, right? Yep. Yep. And, ends uh, and uh, man, he was
4: crucial in helping me uh, with uh, a season in the sun, and man, just what a nice guy! And he's just great on that staff. But uh, we're getting a little off off the mark. Christian, here. jump <laughs> no, in, same no, as no, take yes, a, so no, take no, a I, detour. I, for I wanted us. to ask Christian um, one: Do you know Nate Oates personally? And uh, even if you don't, uh, to what what most impresses you about Nate Oates and and uh, just the ability to come in here from Buffalo and to man in a very short amount of time he has constructed he's doing what Nick Saban did Mm -hmm. right at the at the very beginning and he's constructing team after team after team that uh, that is capable of beating
5: anyone on any night no he really has and uh... To answer your first question i have gotten to know him personally i've spent some time with him uh... out on lake tuscaloosa you know he has a, a boat that he likes to go you know, tubing and stuff with and um... i've been out there with them you know he, he really enjoys the lake and in his off time and uh... just a very respectable guy you know always very nice when when i've seen him and been around him but you know, what I notice uh, most about him in, in his coaching style, it is almost Nick Saban-esque. You know, he's very demanding of his players. And he's very stern. He's very tough. It's very, very much kind of that old school style of coaching. And uh, I think that's what they've needed. You know, and I'm, I'm very impressed at how he's come here from Buffalo and just earned the respect of, you know, the fan base. and just everyone down here. Everyone is, has embraced him and his his program and, and his staff and what they're doing. And uh, just the way he runs the program is so respectable. I mean, you look at it, and you know the the success that they've had in, in his short time here, and being able to bring in the recruits and get these top guys in the program and develop them. And uh, he's 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 helped guys get to the NBA level, and he's just doing so many great things. And I love to see it because again, it it almost kind of reminds me of the the Coach Saban style of coaching, that old school, hard nose, you know, blue collar system where guys just come in and get to work and they really grind it out. So. You know, I have a lot of respect for Nate Oates, and uh, I'm very happy to have him here in Tuscaloosa to help provide this product that we're seeing in Alabama basketball. You know what I really, really like, and I think it's very difficult to do, particularly at the college level, is
3: you, you recruit guys basically on scoring, right? I mean, this guy averages 15 points and 11 rebounds. He's somebody you might like to have coming to your program. All these guys are coming from schools where they were the big, big dog, big cheese number one. And being able to get them to the buy into the system, and most notably, so difficult in this day and age, get them to play defense. Lord, people, you didn't. I know, I know you. You didn't guard anybody, did no, you? No, I no. You just stood down in the corner <laughs> saying, "Give me the rock, give me a rock, yeah. give me a rock." No, I did. But, uh, no, defense is not my forte. It's also one of those things that I really <laughs> I don't ad- want to
4: catch a Christian Miller uh, elbow to the jaw in the lane <laughs> playing defense. So.
3: You could, I could see you could get roughed up pretty easy. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you're a perimeter guy. Yeah. You, know? you know what? I, I don't see Curry. Uh, now he does play defense, but I, I'm I'm not going to go down but, that. Um, One of the things I loved about Mike Anderson when he was at UAB, his first recruiting class, seven unbelievable players, all top of their class at their high schools, but they had really defense or they sat. What? I, I go back to the very beginning. What an
4: inspired hire and a risk by Greg Byrne to hire some dude that – None of us have ever heard of before, and and to come down here to the SEC and do what he's done is just uh, amazing. And, and Greg is a, a friend of the program, and uh, man, Greg has always been so generous uh, with his time uh, with me, and he, he's spoken to my classes several times, and and uh, we need to get him back on the uh, on on our show here uh, as soon as we can. But uh, Christian, just going back to this Alabama basketball team, is there one player that you kind of view as a X factor? like if this if this one guy is on, Alabama' is
5: almost unstoppable. Oh, I gotta go with Brandon Miller, not just because we share the same last name, but I mean, if you look at him I mean, when he's <laughs> on and, and and he's actually you know, producing like like he can i mean i feel like this team is unstoppable the, the good news is though he's had some off games and they still had other guys pick up the slack and they still were able to produce but you, you look at this guy he's so talented um there's not much that he can't do and you know i think he's leading freshman in the nation um and his scoring averages and, and he's just phenomenal i mean i, I think this guy is going to be um known as one of the, the greatest basketball players to come to this program so i definitely have to go with brandon miller is it uh, sort of a foregone
4: conclusion that Brandon Miller is one and done? I think it's oh, – yeah. definitely. Uh, <laughs> that was
3: probably discussed in his recruitment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, come, come here for a year. Uh, it's not a dumb question. I mean, the guys do hang around. Um, but I don't think he will. In fact, he may not be the only one. Uh, they got some freshmen on the team who can really, really play. By the way, ten years ago, ten – actually nine years ago, do you know where Nate Oates was?
4: Mm. That's a very I I'm guessing he was a math
3: teacher at a high school. He, he was. Exactly. Romulus High School. He was Michigan. basketball coach and a math teacher. Is that Michigan?
4: Teacher. Romulus, Michigan. It doesn't say here. I think
5: I
3: think
4: Romulus.
5: Where, hey,
3: I think I've been there before. Our scholar is Christian Miller. Where is Romulus High School?
5: <laughs> Romulus. I'm looking at it now. It is in Michigan, I believe. Or uh, in, yeah, I think around yeah. right outside Detroit it looks like. Maybe. You know you're upper Midwest. Yeah.
4: It's, like you, but it, but it's could. not in it's not in the the UP. You know uh, the you uh, know what the UP Yeah, is? it's the very
3: very top near yeah, Canada, it's right? It's the upper peninsula yeah. of uh, Michigan. Um I've only been there a couple of times, I didn't like beautiful. it. It's beautiful. I mean oh, it, yeah. it's,
4: it's it's basically an extension of Canada. I mean it, it is just gorgeous. But, uh, yeah, and and, and it's interesting. I I think Nate Oates almost incorporates mathematical principles into how he uh, strategizes and and the philosophy that he uh, employs uh, just about, hey, uh, about three-pointers. And and, and, and one last note, and we all know this, he plays a style— that is attractive to young kids all around the country. Bingo. Bingo. Uh, He's a great hire. There's a lot of talent here in this state and within the
3: 250-mile radius of Tuscaloosa. Uh, John Brady is going to join us. A blast from the past. He used to come on our show every week when he was at Sanford. And then when he got to LSU, he got big time, so he only came on our show every other week. Funny guy, really good basketball coach, and we're going to ask him about Alabama, UAB, and Auburn on the other side of this break.
1: From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports.
0: Roll Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama Alabama sports. sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9
3: app. Football is back, and no one does it better than the sportsbook at Golden Moon Casino. This season, you can watch the games with nothing on the line.
0: Boring. The high today, 68. The low tonight, 46. A brighter day tomorrow. The sky becoming mostly sunny. The high, 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
3: Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, along with Lars Anderson and Christian Miller, joined now by the one and the only John Brady, who's head basketball coach. We got to know him here in Birmingham when he came in and coached at Sanford. Very, very successful years there. Then he went on to LSU, where in 06, he took the Tigers to the Final Four, which is just, that was one of my favorite runs of any basketball team. And he joins us now, I don't know, he's probably uh, sitting around eating Cajun food somewhere. John, it's Matt and the gang. How are you?
2: I'm good, Matt. I tell you, I'm sitting in New Orleans in my condo, and they got tornado warnings all around South Louisiana right now, so I'm hunkered down a little bit.
3: Oh, yeah, and there have been... uh, Some some tragic stuff coming up. uh, I guess north of you, up in Shreveport. So we're all keeping an eye on the weather. Stay safe, Uh, John. uh, Just let's just start with Alabama. I'm assuming you watched a little bit of their game with Memphis. Uh, How good can this team be? I watched. I watched. Are they already? I
2: watched the Texas game
3: as well. Well, your thoughts on Alabama? Uh. Shoot, I think
2: I think they're loaded. I, I I got them right now. From what I've seen, I got them right now as the best team in the league. And and uh, you know I think they got two for sure. Maybe three pros on that team. I'm talking about legitimate guys, not these kind you got to say. Well, maybe maybe if he does this, I think they're three legitimate, two legitimate. One is probably going to be and and uh, they're long, they're athletic. Uh, Coach Oates has got them playing hard and trying to defend. Uh, it's hard to score around the goal because of their length, and they shoot it well enough. Uh, so I think they're very, very talented. And the schedule that Coach Oach has played, you got to take your hat off to that. I never had enough courage to play a schedule that tough this early. So they, they've got a lot of good things going in Alabama. And, you know, the Gonzaga game will be a good one to watch as well.
4: Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Can you give us your analysis of the style of play that Nate Oates uh, brings to Alabama?
2: Wide open. Uh, nothing real restrictive about it. I mean, they they the way they play is obviously the way they practice, and the way they practice it to play it is is obviously the philosophy that he has you know uh shoot threes or shoot layups uh, so or and you know, drive the ball and get fouled they spread the floor so you know it's a it, it's it's a style that the fans really enjoy uh as a head coach you've got to have the right temperament to sit there and 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 go through some maybe droughts of scoring and maybe a couple of bad shots but Uh, that's what he believes in. That's how he's going to play. And I think now, uh, in his third or fourth year, whichever this is, he's recruited to that style and he's, he's got a collection of players that are, that he's all responsible for. And I think they're playing the style of play that he wants to play. It's exciting. And and when the ball goes in behind the arc, I mean, it's an exciting way to play the game, but there are moments where you might miss five or six in a row. But Alabama's a type of team, with his philosophy, they can all also string together 12 or 14 or 15 straight points in a short period of time and get the momentum back. So it's a, it's a different way to play, but it's an exciting way to play, and it's something, obviously, that Coach Oates really believes in.
5: Coach, Alabama is led by you know, freshman sensation Brandon Miller. Could you talk a little bit about his impact and what you've seen out of him this year?
2: Well, you know, I had, I would rather see teams up close and personal. I've just seen them on TV. And, you know, the thing that, the, the first thing that pops in my brain is Kevin Durant. I mean, he's something like that. He can shoot it. He can run. He can block shots. He can score with his back to the goal. Uh, you know, he's just he can just do a lot of positive things. And and he he's going to play at the next level at some point. I know Alabama fans want him to hang around. But uh, you never know about those kind of guys. You know, who knows with the NIL deals the way they are now, if you're not a legit lottery pick and there's some question about it, you know, now schools can pay you almost what you would make uh, going into second round or or more. So uh, there's an opportunity there to keep a guy like that for another year if that arises, but he is a tremendous talent. Uh, I don't know much about him as a young man, but if he has the character to match his talent, uh, sky's the limit for a guy like that.
3: John Brady is our guest, LSU, Sanford, Arkansas State basketball coach. John, I want to take us back about 15, 17 years ago when you were at LSU and Godfrey was at Alabama. Uh, It it developed rather quickly, but you guys had a unique rivalry. And, uh, man, the Bama fans would ride you. But one thing I love about John Brady is you'd rip them back. Just talk talk a little bit about what was the funniest line anybody ever threw at you. Just talk about that because it was fun.
2: Well, I don't know how that developed you know I guess uh you know our personalities may have been somewhat close you know he he's competitive, he likes himself a little bit, and I'm the same way you know i I'm competitive, I kind of like myself and uh you know we just we just got after each other and had some really good games and and uh you know i i, I remember one when we when they beat us over here, and one of their players jumped up on our scores table uh in Baton Rouge. Uh, like they'd won the national championship. And after the game, uh, I said something about uh, Mark, you know, or, or at, at the press conference. Then when we came to Alabama, all the student body had shirts on. that says Brady sucks. And, and so I <laughs> before the game about an hour before the game, I walked up in the stands and sat down and asked them, what's the problem with me now? You know, you, my mother's watching this game tonight. You're hurting her feelings. And, and and so I just went up there and embraced it. And and when I did the game there two years ago, this student uh, that was a student then, and he's a grown man now. After the game, he came by the radio booth and he says, "Coach, I got something for you." I said, "What? What you got?" He unbuttoned his shirt and he had a Brady sucks oh. t-shirt on, <laughs> and and I thought it was hilarious. I said, "Wow, man!" And, but it was it was it was funny and. You know, I think when those kind of That's things happen, correct. and, and it, it adds to the
4: league, and it, you just got to embrace it and roll with it and have fun with it. Coach, uh, don't know if you've had a chance to watch Purdue. They're now the number one team uh, ranked in the country by the Associated Press. Uh, your thoughts on on Purdue and and, and really just the, the top three teams in in, in according to the AP poll: Purdue, Virginia, UConn.
6: Well.
2: When you talk about Purdue and, and Virginia, you're looking at the flip side of what Alabama does. I mean, uh, you know, Purdue is a more of an inside-oriented team. They have good guards. They're more of a, a slower-paced team. They don't play as wide open as as, as Alabama does. Uh, and in Virginia, they take it to another level in terms of half-court basketball. Uh, you know, two well-coached teams uh, – I like Purdue because I think they're a little more physical than Virginia, and I think their physicality can match the physicalness of some of the teams in the SEC. Uh, you know, in fact, that's funny you say that because I I picked Purdue to be maybe a Final Four team after I saw them on TV a couple of times, and I hadn't seen these teams up close and personal, uh, which which sometimes makes a difference, but. I think they're very well coached, and they have the inside game plus the guard play and the physicality to to advance far in the tournament. Virginia has done it before, well coached. UConn is a surprise team to me. I wasn't very familiar with them, but I I saw them play one time on, on television, and the thing that strikes me, they're closer to Alabama. They're not Alabama, I don't think, but in terms of the way they play with the athleticism and the length. I think UConn is is more like Alabama than certainly uh, Purdue or Virginia,
5: Coach. You spent time at both LSU and Samford and, and Arkansas State, but you know, describe the differences between coaching in the SEC and and maybe the the Sun Belt Conference and you know the the level of competition and what it takes to win on each level.
2: Well, I, I think there's some things that are non-negotiable, and, and wherever I coach, whether it was at Samford, LSU, or Arkansas State. Uh, you know the effort you demand, the the either the the, the 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 where you want them to play in terms of the uh, of what you expect, uh, holding them accountable for what they're supposed to do. All of those things are non-negotiable. If you want to build a program and you want to win and have a chance to compete for any type of championship, but it's obvious the biggest difference. Number one, I always laugh about it the pay is it different. You know, you make more money in the SEC than you do in the Sunbelt, for sure, uh, and it, especially at, at Sanford. Uh, but the, the pay is different, but the quality of the athlete and the opportunity to recruit, uh, you know, guys that are, are super, super talented and maybe a pro. You know, at one time, at my time at LSU, we had seven guys in the league. I'm not talking about playing on the bench. I'm talking about playing. And uh, so, it, it, it's it's, as a coach, to coach those type of, of talented players, that's a special thing and and I, I'm a big I'm a big respect, I have a lot of respect for talented coaches and talented players and you know my time at L S U with the number of players that we were able to recruit uh, was was really special. And that's the biggest difference is the level of play and the talent that you can get on a team in the SEC as opposed to the Sunbelt or at Sanford. But the non negotiable Baseline factors are all the same. You have to instill that in any team you coach, regardless of the talent level that it has.
3: All right. This is not fair. I'm going to ask you anyway, John. Who would be your final four?
2: <laughs> oh, Lord. I, I think it's much too early. You know, Alabama has an opportunity. I know it is, but what I, I, I like should.
3: to hack you off.
2: <laughs> well, you know purdue is is one that we talked about. that was a good that was a good choice to ask me about. Alabama has an opportunity uh, I'm not sure if any of the other teams in the league do uh, based on what I've seen. Uh, you know and it, there, there's 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 six or eight of them out there right now. I'd have to really let the season kind of play itself out because I think it's much too early and, and the reason run another reason I say it's much too early is the number of transfers that each team has this year. It's hard to predict who's good and who's not because of the number of transfers and the new players that a lot of teams have.
3: All right, before we let you go, top two or three restaurants you eat down in French Quarter.
2: (laughs) Well, I kind of go all over the city. If I'm going to eat... You can do the city. Well, okay. If I'm gonna go to eat seafood, I'm gonna go to G.W. Finn's in, in the quarter. If I'm gonna need a steak, I go to Mister John's Steakhouse on St. Charles Avenue. And and and, and if I just want a, a a restaurant that's top service, top to bottom, there are two: Commander's Palace and Emeralds. Uh, and I live right across the street from Emeralds. Since since Emerald has reopened the restaurant here. The service there is immaculate. He changed the menu a little bit, and the food is outstanding.
3: Do they still line up around the block to eat lunch at Mother's? Yeah, they do, and they
2: also do that at Acme Oyster House in the quarter. Yeah. Yes, they do.
3: Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, now I know where you live, John. I'll see you this weekend. We'll go eat some Cajun <laughs> food.
2: Anytime, Matt. You know that. Anytime. <laughs> All, right.
3: All right. Thank you, John. Appreciate it very much.
2: Okay, Uh, man.
3: John Brady. All right, we'll see you. All right. Uh, John Brady joining us here on Big Noon Sports. Something happened 75 years ago to the day, maybe actually to the hour. Uh, Very significant to me, and I, I hope to you. We'll discuss in a moment.
1: This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian.
7: Main wreckage on the south side of the tracks. Report of male driver, late 20, severe injuries.
1: Copy that. Can you see the vehicle? No, it's way up there.
3: Y'all keep an eye on the weather, okay? It has uh, caused some problems, to say the very least, in Oklahoma, Texas. Louisiana. So, y'all keep an eye on James Fan. Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller on Big Noon Sports. 75 years ago, a guy named Bill France, who we now know as Big Bill France Sr., who passed away several years ago, got 35 prominent businessmen together in the Daytona Beach area and founded Lars, a sport that you covered for SI for, what, 15 years? About that, yeah. NASCAR. Yep. Um, literally, he was a brilliant marketer. I mean, absolutely, that books written about what he did. Did you ever get a chance to meet him? Cause yeah, a few times. Yep, larger, he, uh, larger than life figure. You know, um, a lot of Bama fans will go, oh, "No, you're kidding." He was uh, Bear Bryant like in stature, and when he walked into a room, everybody stopped talking, just like when Coach Bryant did. Um, but boy, he was he six five. He's a big man. He was was a large man, and um, his success is well-documented. Okay, so
4: I want to do a follow-up on a story that I had talked about earlier this week and one that is uh, near and dear to my heart, and uh, it's another tragic story. It's about my friend Grant Wall. Who uh, we worked together at Sports Illustrated for about 15 years. We grew up together at the magazine. Uh, we'd love to. Uh, we played a lot of pickup ball together. Uh, we played on the SI basketball team where we would play. Uh, we were in a press league and we'd play the New York Times, the New York Post, and 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 those those dudes from ESPN who we loved just to wax them. That was uh, very enjoyable. Uh, but but. So Grant, uh, he was only 49 years old, and uh, on early Saturday, uh, he was covering the World Cup over in Qatar, and um, he was in his seat in the media center, and he just slumped over. And uh, I've I've talked to the person who was sitting next to Grant, and it was just a, a, a sort of a horrifying scene. And uh, right away, emergency workers uh, attended to him and treated him for 20 to 30 minutes before they took him away on a stretcher. And, uh, and apparently, uh, according to what I've heard and, and learned, uh, that when they took him away on the stretcher, they, they covered his face. And so that's not a good sign. Um, and then his brother, who's back here in the United States, um Once he found out about it, um, he thought that uh, there was something nefarious uh, that uh, that that Grant had been receiving death threats because he had been highly critical of the government of Qatar. and also he wore a rainbow colored shirt into a uh, one of the World Cup games that he was covering. And uh, he was detained by uh, officials there at the, at the stadium uh, because uh, uh, he was supporting homosexuality and uh, apparently it's a, a, a against the law over in Qatar and so and and his brother who is uh is um openly out and uh his brother thought that he uh that grant was um essentially assassinated and so he he posted uh a, a video and and i know his brother quickly regretted it because he you know he was just speaking out of emotion and in shock and and uh but nonetheless. Uh, it, it raised the sort of red flag among a lot of people all around the world. I mean, all around the world, the world is watching this. It's it's the lead story on ESPN. It was uh, it was on uh, uh, MSNBC, CNN, Fox, Today. Um, Grant is being talked about, and I'm not exaggerating here. From uh, in in, in the the Far East to South America, uh, to Africa, throughout Europe, because he was the preeminent soccer writer, and uh, in in the United States, and um, his finally Grant's body uh, was returned to the United States, and uh, his his wife uh, Celine, just a a sweetheart of of a person. Um, who is also a uh, infectious disease expert and has served on, I, I believe both the, in the Trump administration and the Biden administration about COVID. Um, she uh, informed everyone that after the autopsy was done on grant, that he died of an aneurysm in his heart. And uh, there was no foul play whatsoever. And it was just a, a natural cause. And, um, and that Grant had experienced chest pressure, uh, shortly before his death. And that really represented the initial symptoms of what was going on. And, uh, there was, you know, no amount of CPR or a defibrillator, uh, could have saved him. I mean, when, when something like that happens, it's just, uh, It it it, it's it's sort of you can't you can't bring somebody back to life, and so um, you know a lot of us at uh, who um, worked with Grant at Sports Illustrated, and uh, you know in the mid to late '90s, um, gosh, we just had so much fun in in Manhattan together, and. you know we're struggling with this man. Like he—he's—he just turned 49. He just had his—he just had his birthday, and it, it just—boy, uh, when somebody dies and you don't think it's their time, it—it it, it just uh, is crippling, you know. And then to get the the news, uh, you know, personally of, of of Mike Leach, it's just like what what's what is happening to this world here. But um, you know what? It's just (laughs) they say it's it's the cycle. It's the cycle that we're all going to go through as human beings. Oh, man anyway, I I just wanted
3: to to get that out there. And and, um, and, and we need to make sure that the record is set straight on that particular case, too, because quite honestly, I wondered, too. It it did make you suspect. But uh, God rest his soul. Hey, uh, we've been talking a little bit about All-Americans, particularly Will Anderson. So when we come back, we'll talk about one that you love and
1: one that you didn't like so much
3: on Big News Sports.
1: You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX studios in downtown Birmingham. Roll
0: Tide, the best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama Alabama sports. Sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
1: Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Talk to Dr. Now and share it. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check it twice a day. I get it, slip it, cuff it, check
0: it in the back. The high today, 68. The low tonight, 46. A brighter day tomorrow. The sky becoming mostly sunny. The high, 57. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 60 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Guess who just got back today?
3: Back on Big News Sports. And Colter along with Lars Anderson and Christian Haven't Miller you know, to talk some college football, man, All-Americans. Because we're talking about Will Anderson Jr. being the first consensus, unanimous, All-American University of Alabama football program history to do it back-to-back. But Actually, we're going to start with a little South Carolina geography here, Christian. Where is Irmo, South Carolina?
5: You know, it is uh, across town from where I'm from. It's uh, basically the west side of, of Columbia. And, um, you know, I think he went to Dutch Fork High School. You're referring to, you know, we're, we're talking about this because we're, we're mentioning Jalen Hyatt, receiver out of South Carolina, specifically Irmo. And I want to say Dutch Fork High School, who I, I have uh, some bad You're blood right. with. They uh, they knocked me out of the playoffs my senior year. They ended our undefeated run, and they sent us home packing. So, <laughs> I have uh, have some bad blood with those guys. But, you know, pertaining to college football right now, we were mentioning Jalen Hyatt, receiver out of Tennessee. Um, just wanted to touch on this because I, I thought it's just so interesting now. Um, this is a new trend almost with college football where you look at a guy like him, right? And before the season, you know, he wasn't on a single uh, all SEC, you know, preseason list. No one really was talking about him. Wasn't much buzz around him. This guy explodes on the scene goes off for twelve hundred over twelve hundred yards, fifteen touchdowns, and now he you know, is the Bolitnikoff winner, best receiver in college football, and has just entered his name in the NFL draft and uh, could potentially be a first round draft pick. And I think it's just remarkable that, you know, guys can really just, you know, assert themselves with one season and just like that. You know, they go from a late round undrafted grade to a, a first round draft pick potentially and uh really just interesting and um you know you don't really see it too often but i'm excited to see what he can do um you know he definitely you know posed a a big threat to alabama when they they faced them you know did he what did he have five touchdowns matt lars was it five touchdowns that he had four Uh, or five a record yeah yeah i mean the guy obviously has a speed you know he's got some good hands and uh, he, he's definitely, uh, definitely going to have some success at the next level, I believe. But is there anybody that you guys can think of that was similar to that, that didn't really necessarily have the, the buzz or the attention, you know, leading up uh, to the season, and then they just go out there and they just uh, prove everybody wrong and just really just assert themselves? Is there anybody that well, comes to mind that y'all think of? What, what, uh, Devante, yeah, Devonte Devante Smith. Smith, to um, a certain
3: extent, although he built his college career over more than just this one phenomenal year that Hyatt's had. Yeah. But he wasn't that highly recruited. He was small. He talks about his stature. Um, um, Hyatt. Hyatt he, he, wasn't he, even recruited by South Carolina. Yeah, he, he lacks
4: prototypical NFL size. He's except. Six foot, 175. Except mm-hmm. for one thing. 175-pound wide receiver. I mean, Christian, really quick. Devontae's, he didn't weigh more De, than that. 175-pound wide receivers last long, typically, in the NFL.
5: You know they can. It's just a, a matter of their durability and be able, being able to withstand. You know the, the constant hits that they're, they're going to take. I mean, you look at it now. You got guys Devontae Smiths having great success, and you know again, like you guys mentioned, he always was you know labeled as undersized, which he is. But you know that everybody just counted him out, and he's he's con- continuing to prove people wrong. Uh, you look at Marquise Hollywood Brown, um, who's with the Cardinals right now, spent time with Lamar Jackson. He's probably a lot smaller than than Devonte Smith, and you know he's holding up just fine. So you see it uh, a little more. It's a little more common in today's game. You know, you definitely probably need to pro- protect yourself and take care of yourself. Um, but it, it's it's not impossible. We, we we definitely see that a lot. And usually those guys have you know something that really separates themselves, and and it almost overcomes that size disadvantage that they have. You know, typically speed. Um, so. Is, hey, if you can run past guys and, and, and get open and catch the football, they're going to find a place for you. I mean, look at Tyreek Hill. Granted, he has a, a lot more of a you know a sturdy frame and a, and a thicker base where he can hold on a little bit more weight. But, man, I mean, he just runs right by people, and it works for him. So I think these teams and GMs are seeing that, and, and they have seen guys like Hyatt just running, blazing past DBs, and they think that they can do it for their football team. So they're going to take that shot.
3: And your buddy Levi Wallace kind of that way oh, uh, yeah. on the other side of the football.
5: That's right. You Levi definitely he, is also undersized. I don't ever remember hearing about him. Yeah. Well, and well, that too. Uh, yeah. Look no. at him. What he's walk on at Alabama. Fourth year now. I think going on five.
4: Yeah. And, 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 And now that uh, Hyatt is opting out of the bowl game... This is the Orange Bowl, okay? This is the Orange Bowl. This isn't... And you wear uh, orange. This isn't the Poinsettia Bowl. (laughs) This isn't the, the Weed Eater Bowl. This is the Orange Bowl, and they're playing Clemson. So now Hyatt is out. Who else is out? Hendon Hooker, but that's due to injury. He's out. Cedric Tillman, fellow star receiver, he's out. So... Tennessee is without its best, its three best players on offense when they take on Clemson, and it's just it it, it devalues the game. Uh, and I, look, I understand why these two wide receivers are doing it. Uh, there's uh, Clemson; they're dealing with their own issues of a wave of NFL. Uh, declarations, guys who aren't playing, uh, linebacker Trenton Simpson, all-ACC defensive end, Miles Murphy, among others, that will be sitting out for Clemson. And it's just, uh, I I don't know. Like, my fear, Christian, is that these bowl games that uh, used to be so iconic and so important, even though – you didn't have teams competing for the national championship, they're going to become like the Pro Bowl was, where nobody's really tackling. All you're doing is just playing not to get hurt. It, it, it's basically just kind of touch oh. football. And mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's an extreme, but that's where it feels like this is heading.
5: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. So my, my when my dad was here, he had briefly brought up, uh, he had asked me, he was like, I wonder if, and this is just a hypothetical, but he was saying, with all the declarations, you know, for guys opting out to go prepare for a draft or, or whatnot, um, he was like, "What if they just played the bowl games to start the next season? That way, everybody would still be on the roster." And I was like, "I don't, I just don't really see that happening. I don't, really, I, don't I can't really wrap my head around that." But I'm like, to his point, I mean, then you wouldn't have these teams so deflated, like you just mentioned, where they're missing four, five, six starters, where it almost just lacks significance at this point. I mean, again, I think the expansion of the playoffs will um, be a huge factor and bring a little more relevancy to some of these other games. But still, um, outside of the, the you know soon-to-be 12-team playoffs, or those games, probably still will um, follow the trend of having um, you know the least significance now. So I don't know what are y'all what are y'all thoughts on that though? Playing a playing a bowl game to start the season that way, you have your whole I, I roster. Think you're-
4: I think your dad might be onto something, to be honest. I mean, because the the way we're going now, it's it's not working, and and Nick Saban warned of this a long time ago. He's like, we're going to just absolutely devalue all the other bowl games other than the ones that are involved in the uh, four team uh, uh, college football playoffs, and that is exactly what has happened. And I, I don't know what the remedy is. Uh, like you said, I uh, the the uh, advent of the twelve-team playoff will
3: help, but um, I don't know. I think every bowl game's in the spring. Everything that's how you beat. culminate your spring practice as you take on Clemson. Ah, oh, there you go.
5: <laughs> <laughs> spring uh, game is a bowl game. That that uh, that's an idea. <laughs> um,
4: but it almost seems like these guys don't even want to play the game.
5: I mean, well, not not you, just them, but like uh, other
3: other guys on. Well, the and, and I think what also happens is there is a <clears throat> excuse me, there's a huge domino effect. Now, I think it happens within teams, and I think it happens across college football. Oh, he's going, I'm going. Christian Barnes McCaffrey. Going, going.
4: I blame Christian
3: McCaffrey for all of this because he's the first one who did it. Hey, uh, wonderful show, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Let's do it so tomorrow. Point of phrase from Ron Burgundy. Hey, uh, see you soon, Christian. Yes, got sir. Got to be good. great day.
0: The best sports talk, period. Your home for Alabama Alabama sports. sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.